Christmas is a, a season of, of celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope that we will do that in style and, uh, and with real conviction and thanksgiving. But it's also a time for visiting as well. You know, uh, you know we visit family, we visit relatives, we visit friends. And uh, when you read the scriptures, in the, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, and as you know, I've been a bit fixated on the Gospel of Luke, but I've, I've been reading Matthew's Gospel too and enjoying that and um, just savoring that. And uh, as you do, you realize the, the extraordinary uh, comings and goings that there are around this season and in the lead up to the birth of Christ. And so we, we kind of thought, we were chatting about it and we were praying about it and, and we thought, let's do a series on, on called The, the Visitors. I, I like that title, The Visitors. And let's just reflect on that a little bit. But of course, as well as you know, the, the scriptural testimony, you, know, you and I, you know, we visit. In fact, you may be looking forward to having family coming to visit you this Christmas. Hands up if you've got people visiting you over Christmas. Oh my gosh. Well, let's hope it doesn't turn out like the Griswolds. So Matt, would you just show us that little clip? Thank you. After vacationing across America and throughout Europe, this holiday season, the Griswolds are going to play it safe. Clark, we're stuck under a truck. They're staying at home. I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. All Clark wants is a quiet, old-fashioned Christmas. Sorry. Got a little knot here. You can work on that. What he's going to get is the gift that keeps on living. Merry Christmas. His family. We didn't come to impose. <laughs> oh, hell, there's plenty of room. Do you sleep with your brother? Do you know how sick and twisted that is, Mom? Well, I'm sleeping with your father. Have you got a kiss for me? Eh, you better take a rain check on that, Art. He's got a lip fungus they ain't identified yet. But no holiday could ever be more deeply touching. We were gonna call, but... Eddie wanted to make it a surprise. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. <laughs> ah, I'm really going to fly down the hill with this stuff. So genuinely moving. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead? Or more down to earth. Merry Christmas! If Santa is smart, he'll stay well clear of this joint. It's a death trap. Woohoo! <laughs> And Christmas with the Griswolds. Everybody come out quick, look at the lights! They want you to say grace. I pledge allegiance to the flag. Of the United States of America. This year, let Chevy Chase light up your holidays. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That thing had nine lives, she just spent them all. <laughs> you woo, crack up. Aren't you looking forward to those visitors now? Just your average family Christmas. Do you know, the thing is that I think we've probably all got Christmas stories of visiting and, and visitors. I think probably, well, first of all, I, and I've got a few, but probably the one that still just pips the post was that we were invited to a Christmas party 
at the time we were living in, in Cornwall. And these people, we'd met them a few times, very nice. We'd never been to their house, didn't know them very well, but a lot of our friends were going. And uh, they said, well, it's in Kingston, come up. You know, and we said, that's crazy. And then we were just crazy enough, weren't we, to say, let's do it. And so we drove all the way up from Cornwall to visit, to go to Kingston to this Christmas party. And as we drove into Kingston, I said to Fliss, what's the address? And she said, you've got it. And, and I said, no, you've got it. And she said, no, you've got it. And we hadn't got the address. And this was in the day before mobiles, so we had to go and stay with my mum, didn't we? <laughs> that was not quite what we had in mind. But anyway, there you go. Yeah, Christmas is a time it's seemingly like none other for visiting. But, uh, you know, that's the way it is. It's also the season, if the Christmas cards would have you believe it, of angels. You know, all around there are angels. Uh, I'm looking forward to going and seeing the angels in, in Regent Street. Who's seen those already? Apparently they're good. And in fact, Tim Green, who's one of our members here, he was part of the crew that put all that up and designed that and put that up. Uh, you know, often I go up to London and, and, and the Christmas decorations are really naff, aren't they? But, but this year, they look like really fantastic, those angels. I've seen it on YouTube and stuff like that. They look really great. So this is a season of angels. And in fact, as you read through the scriptures, uh, you know, and time and time again, angels come and feature in that. Holy ones, messengers of God. They are different to us. They're not to be worshipped. They are simply servants and messengers of God. But they are absolutely awesome. Some people have said, you know, to me, I, I have heard it said that we don't see angels very much these days because now, of course, we have the Holy Spirit within us, which is absolutely true. Does that mean to say that all the angels are redundant? You know, they're sort of sitting on benches in heaven, sort of going, well, not much to do around here these days. In fact, it's not true. In fact, I've had encounters with angels. Let me just, I've always loved to do this. If you've ever had an experience with an angel, or you believe you've had an experience with an angel, would you just raise your hand now? Just look at that. Is Anne up there on the balcony too? Absolutely amazing. I've had one experience of an angel which looked like an angel. That was just shortly after I got saved. And I've had many other experiences which I've put down to angels. I can think of an occasion, this is just one of many, when Fliss and I, uh, we missed the ferry back to England, and, and uh, I, uh, we had all the kids and the caravan, and we, we just had you know, everything with us, and I got the day wrong, and, and we missed the ferry, and Fliss was very gracious, and she was very gracious, and she was very kind, but I was just killing myself. I felt so foolish and guilty. Anyway, I went into the office to see if I could, uh, you know, rebook our ferry. And I went in there, and I'm not kidding. It, was, it looked like Harrods January sale opening. The, the foyer there was just rammed with people, angry people. Something had happened. There were people, you know, there were, there were all the staff behind the, the glass and there were all these people, and they were shouting, and, they were, and there were a whole bunch of Dutch people there, and a whole bunch of German people there, and the English in the front there. I think, I'm not sure. I think the English just about topped it in terms of rudeness and loudness of, no, of voice. And I just went, and I thought, oh, my gosh, all these people were trying to be rescheduled. 
And I just said, God, you've got to help me. And I just felt like the Lord said, just stand back. So I stood back like that, watching this, thinking, how is this going to pan out? And I am not kidding you, as I stood there, this person walked from the back of the office. I saw them, and they walked straight across to behind the counter at the glass. And they, they said, excuse me, sir. And I looked, and they were pointing at me. You're on the 6.15 tomorrow. And I said, wow, but I've got a huge, great rig. Yes, sir, we've got you sorted on that ferry. And the whole foyer went silent, and everybody went like that. Now, you can just call that what you like. I think that was an angel. That was just my little, one of my little angel stories. So angels at Christmas. Let's look at the scriptures and let's pick up one or two stories there uh, about angelic visitations. In fact, Hebrews 13, chapter 2 says this. This is an interesting one for Christmas. It says here, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Ooh. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, I want to say, if you're a single parent, please be careful, or if you're, you know, uh, please don't invite, you know, the, the first chap that comes and knocks on the door into the house, and, you know, be, be wise and be careful. But let's have our, let's have our spiritual antenna, antennae tuned in. Because there may be moments that, that God wants us to show hospitality and, and friendship to someone who may be looking a little lost or a stranger to us. Who knows what might come of that? There's a famous example in the book of Genesis where Abraham shows hospitality to some strangers. Let's uh, turn that up. It'll come up on the screen, but if you've got your smart devices, you can check that one out too. Genesis chapter 18. And I'm going to read... The whole of this story. Uh, it doesn't say they're angels, but uh, if you take that definition, definition that, that the angels often are the Lord's spokesman, and often they appear as angels, but often they appear not as angels, just like ordinary people, then who knows what this might have been. I think this was an angelic visitation. Verse chapter 18 of Genesis, verse 1. It says here, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can, refresh, so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. 
And Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. What I love about this story, it's the beginning of the whole Abrahamic narrative. It's, it's just an extraordinary and, 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 and miraculous beginning because they are old. You know, they are, they are up well past the age of childbearing. They are well past that stage where they could reasonably expect to have children. But it seems as if Abraham believes these strangers, but dear Sarah doesn't. You know, she, she, loves, she would love that to be true, but she doesn't. And it's just one of those things, isn't it? That even when you see an angel, and who knows whether these were the Lord or the angel, you know, some people believe and some people don't. It's just one of those things. We see this in the New Testament, and the thing that's interesting about the New Testament stories in Luke is that there's a, a sort of a similarity to these kind of things. You know, let's, let's look at another reading, uh, this time in uh, Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 1, and uh, we'll pick it up at verse 5. And here we have an angelic visitation, and this is about... Uh, the birth of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who was born a few months earlier before Jesus. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Notice the similarity there. Isn't it funny? At this New Testament, new beginning, the Lord chooses to, to bless and to birth Jesus and his cousin, John the Baptist, into yet another miracle. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense into the Holy of Holies, once a year, that would take place. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. And I bet at that point he thought, Which prayer? You know, at that age, he prayed a lot of prayers. What are the outstanding prayers? Was he praying for a son at that age? Do you know what? I hazard a guess that he wasn't. Surely that was a prayer that they, as a couple, had prayed time and time and time again. But now, as the Scripture records, they were at that age where that seemed to be an opportunity that was long since passed. So the angel says to Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. Which prayer? Was it for a parking space? No. Which prayer? 
And he goes on. He says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John, and he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let me pick that up in just a moment. Two or three things here the Spirit just prompted me to say. What prayers have you let fall to the ground? What prayers did you pray furiously and, not furiously, angrily, I mean, I, I mean uh, with real conviction? But it's been so long in being answered that, yeah, you just do pray it, but kind of you moved on and you've reconciled yourself to that thought that this ain't going to happen. What prayers are they? Now, if it's winning the lottery, um, I don't know what to say about that. But may, may be, there may be worthy prayers, prayers that the Spirit of God put on your heart so that they could incubate. Are there prayers that you've let fall to the ground? Are there prayers that you no longer pray because quite frankly you've lost faith that God would ever do it? The other thing I want to say is in this year, this season of open heaven, Be prepared. John came to prepare his people, God's people, for a visitation from the Lord. Are you ready for the move of God? Are you ready? If God started doing extraordinary things and he's already begun, would you be, nah. I mean, when we had Tracy up last week praying for up here, uh, it was wonderful. How are you doing, by the way, Tracy? Good. Yes, last week you could barely stand. Can you stand now? Well, bless God. There you go. But even as we prayed for her last week, and, and this is very rare for me to do this because I, I really want people to know that I, uh, I have confidence in our prayer team. and I do pray for people. Of course I do. But I, I tend not to do the playing on the praying on the platform thing. But last week I felt prompted to do it. And even as we prayed, I could see people who were just like, ah, their faces like this, and other people going, what? It's just the way it is, human nature. But here's a heads up. The Holy Spirit wants to give you a little bit of a heads up here. I'm about to do extraordinary things. I'm about to do extraordinary things. Get ready. There's going to be a visitation. I mean, if you've got visitors coming, even the Griswolds, you get ready, don't you? Get ready. And ask yourselves, by, in terms of getting ready, what are the prayers that I've left fall to the ground? And I suggest you start like me by going back to the garden, going back to the Lord and say, sorry, Lord. You, you entrusted me with those prayers. And I've, I, I have to say that, uh, you know, I just I've stopped praying because... 
I just don't think it's going to happen. Oh, Lord God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And I will keep praying until I come home to glory or you visit us and do it. Carry that one with you. Carry that, that one with you so that you will be ready when God comes. Be prepared. Okay. So what is Zechariah's response then to this astounding news? He's going to be a father, a daddy. 18. Zechariah asked the angel. He's got the angel, archangel Gabriel standing before him. And he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. If you had, I mean, this is one of those interesting things. If the archangel Gabriel appeared to you and told you something was going to happen, you know, would you believe him? Put your hand up. I mean, I've heard it said, if an angel appears in front of me, then I'll believe. Truth of the matter is that angels do appear in front of people and they don't believe. Isn't that extraordinary? I, 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 I tell you, I've, I think I've told you the story about my dear father-in-law who's long been with Jesus. When he first became a Christian, and this was all so new to him, he said, you know, if I see a leg grow, then I'll believe. He was beginning to transition, excuse me, beginning to transition, and he said, if I see a leg grow, then I'll believe. And we were at a conference in London, and he saw, he, he was part of the, uh, this person was praying, and he pulled my father over, my father-in-law over, and a leg grew by an inch and a half. When the person got up, one trouser leg was like that. Because <laughs> he'd always had to compensate. Because he had one, he had this, this, you know, and the Lord lengthened this bloke's leg and his trouser leg was half. And I said to my father, in law that must be wonderful. I guess you believe now. And he said, yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> what? Truth of the matter is, God, is, God knows what we're like. And, and, and if you have, and there's nothing wrong with asking questions, I, my staff will always tell you, I, I'm always talking about, uh, let's get people to ask good questions. I love good questions. But the truth of the matter is that we need, you know, if, if we've got a slightly cynical disposition, you know, there's nothing wrong in asking questions. Get ready now. Do a bit of housekeeping, lest you be ashamed that when God comes, you say, it's just a lot of hype and hooey. You know, when God visits, let's recognize it for what he was. People saw Jesus in the flesh, things that you and I would dream about. And yet they said, nah, he's a charlatan. It's human nature. Good people, not just nasty. Said, nah, nah. Too young. He's, he's from Galilee, or his skin's a bit dark, or whatever. Come on, guys. Examine your hearts in this time of Advent, preparing for, a, for the visit, although, of course, Jesus is here. Let's prepare our hearts. Isn't that right? Let's prepare our hearts. Let's get ready. I know we have Jesus with us, but you know what? Jesus wants to turn the volume up. Jesus wants to turn the volume up to 11 on the dial. Let's press on. Okay, next, and of course you knew I was going to do this, didn't you? Next passage I want to look at. Oh, actually, let's just finish this, this little thing. He says, How, um, I am an old man and my wife is well along uh, in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. 
I mean, what more do you want? I'm Gabriel. There's my badge, you know. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And of course, as you know, if you know the story, they did come true. He was told he had to name his son John, and when he named the son John, then suddenly he could speak again. But here is a high priest, a man who's steeped in the word of God, steeped in the religion of the day, meets an angel, and still he carries with him unbelief. You know, there's a little bit of unbelief in all of us, and we need to wheel it out and confess it and forgive, ask God's forgiveness and say, as that poor man with the demonized son did, say, Lord, increase my faith. Increase, let, let's all do this, this Advent. Let's just say, Lord, increase my faith. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Yeah, I just made that. Well, I didn't make it up it's in the scripture. Let's just pray that together. Lord, increase my faith. I think it's in the scripture. Dennis told me, so if it isn't, that's his fault. It is in the scripture. Yeah, good. Thought, I, thought it. Thought it might be. Lord, increase my faith. And then there's Mary. Angelic visitation there. So we've got Abraham who believes and Sarah who laughs. <laughs> really. Really? We've got Zechariah, who doesn't laugh, but says, what? Ah, ha, ha. Mm. Okay. But really harbors unbelief. Now we have Mary. 1 Luke 26 to 38. Come up on the screen or on your smart devices and Bibles. Verse 26. Excuse me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. He's a busy boy, isn't he? He's a busy boy. I wonder what was going on in the angelic sort of halls, you know. People were saying, what, what? Gabriel again? I mean, what? You know, okay. You don't think like that? I kind of think like that, you know. Gabriel again? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, that royal line. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings, you are highly favored. Isn't that, I, I, I was thinking about that this morning when I was having my quiet time. I'm in a season in my life where I'm feeling favored by God. Um, just lots of lovely things happening with my family and my wife and I. And I'm knowing God's favor and pleasure. And I was thinking about that because God loves us all equally. So how can some be favored? And I looked it up in, in, I looked it up in, a, in a reference book and it didn't really help. It said preferred, chosen, blessed. Are there seasons when are there seasons when the Lord singles someone out for preferential treatment? I believe there are there is. He doesn't love you less. And actually it's no different in a family. You know, if you've we've got four adult kids now and five grandkids, you know, on a birthday, what do you do? You favor the birthday child, don't you? I mean, the other kids get it. I mean, we have 
helped all of our children in different ways. But, you know, uh, in, in their adult life, we've been able to give some some money. We've been able to give advice to others, we've, etc., etc. We, we've, we've never said, here's the pie and you all get a quarter. We've tried to help our kids according to their needs. And they've always thanked us for that and thought that that was good. That's what we do in families. God is our Father. So if somebody seems to be blessed and you don't seem to be blessed, don't be resentful. Don't think less of yourself. God is just choosing to favor someone. It's family, folks. It's family. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's family. It's family. It's family. Doesn't love you any less. He's mindful of you. So anyway, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. There it is again. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born with will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. What prayers have you let fall to the ground? What prayers do you no longer pray because you gave up the idea that God would ever meet with them or answer them. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. See, in a time of visitation, in a time of getting ready, of being prepared for the move of God, in a season when you want to make the most of the opportunities that an open heaven gives you, we need to get our hearts ready. Let's do the housekeeping before the, before the king arrives. Let's not be sat watching the television with a cup of tea, a packet of hobnobs and watching you know, feet up and suddenly we hear a car pull up and we peer through the drive and then, oh my gosh! It's Auntie Sally and Uncle Bert. I forgot they were coming. And you rush around and you plumb the cushions and you're charging around and the kids are going crazy and all the rest of it. That is not the way to handle a visitation. Because you'll invite them in and you'll see that there's, as they sit in the lounge and you say, well, I get up to you, you just suddenly notice that there's a sock <laughs> underneath the settee and it's there. Come on, guys. If you knew Jesus was coming to visit you this Christmas, you would get ready, would you not? Let's get ready for the move of God. Let's get ready to embrace and to welcome the King of Kings. 
and he's the special one. Most visitors come and go, but Jesus, the King of Kings, comes to stay. Amen. Amen. Let's have the band back up. Thanks, Joe. Sorry. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you for those uh, four saints, those heroes of the faith, Abraham and Sarah, Zechariah and Mary. And thank you for the, the, just the challenge there because these were good and godly people, but some thought faith was folly. And faith ain't ever folly. So we repent of our folly our foolishness in not believing that all things are possible in the Lord God. Lord God, as a community, we want to say, Lord, may we be known for our faith, not for our fancy buildings or our worship or whatever else. May we be known for our faith, our corporate faith. And may that be that we are a people who carry with us faith in the in the God who loves us and believes that all things are possible. And everyone said, Amen.